And now, podcasting from a two-person hot tub high atop the Butterfield Park water tower, it's the E-Town Lowdown, created by Robbie and Rick. And now, your handsome hosts, PK, Rick, and their highly paid intern, Malort. Welcome to another special edition of the E-Town Lowdown COVID-19 pandemic. Today is Wednesday, April 28th, 2021, and I have my good friend Pamela Dunley, the president and CEO of Elmhurst Memorial Hospital on the line today. How are you, Pam? I'm great, but the weather doesn't look so good. I'm looking out my window and it's very gray looking, and we had such beautiful days. I'm sad that it's not sunny and beautiful. We really did. It felt like summer there for a while. I thought we were home free. Just a little teaser for the future. (laughs) That's right. So, you know, the last few weeks, uh, the numbers haven't been all that great as it relates to inpatients at the hospital for COVID. Uh, Any changes? Can you give us an update? I certainly can. And um, you're right. They haven't been great. They haven't been kind of steady, though. They haven't gotten a lot worse, which was good. And then I was really hoping that we were going to be able to say they've gone down, but last night they jumped back up again. So um, last week we had 27 patients that were positive with four events, two awaiting results. And um, this week we have 26 patients uh, that are positive, five on vents, and two awaiting results. Uh, in between, like yesterday, I think we were closer to like 19, 17, 18, 19, so going back up to 26 is a jump again, so I was a little disappointed today. Deaths, we had 173 last week. We had three additional deaths, so it's 176 this week. DuPage County went from 86,547 positive patients to 88,158, and their deaths went from 1,338 to 1,343. And in the state, we went from 1,310,000 positive patients to 1,330,000 positive patients. So in a week, 20,000 additional positive patients in the state. And deaths went from 23,976 to 24,174. And for the good news, we have had, we went from 1,692 discharges to 1,717 discharges. So we are continuing to discharge patients, uh, but you know, I thought it was gonna go down again and uh, it looks like it's still not quite stabilized. Does it seem like uh, when you get a new patient for COVID, the uh, the patient knows they probably have COVID when they get to the hospital, or are some of them surprised? In general, I think they have a pretty strong idea that they've got COVID when they get here. Okay, um, have you have you noticed if um, diabetics continue to be at high risk for suffering from severe cases of COVID that are you know the ones that are unvaccinated and and get the disease? Absolutely. We have seen a lot of diabetic patients who end up with severe cases of COVID and who end up needing to get admitted. And those patients, of course, are not vaccinated because the vaccine does help lessen the severity of the disease. And um, would, would you say diabetes is one of, the, one of the worst things to have to get COVID or, or are there certain lung diseases that tend to be problematic too? Well, diabetes is a big issue when you get COVID. Obesity is an issue when you get COVID. And um, COPD, or chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, COPD, is also a uh, lung disease that does not fare well with COVID. 
as the virus apparently mutates, and I, I know that we talked a lot on several months ago in that uh, in particular, you're not testing patients for what mutation or what variant they have, but as it mutates, does it appear that the symptoms that folks suffer from have changed at all, or do they look pretty much the same as they did early on in the pandemic? Well, there's always been a variety of symptoms. You know, in the beginning, we were always looking for fevers and stuff, and fevers are not necessarily always associated with COVID anymore. Sometimes people have no fevers. Uh, what we're seeing more of that we didn't see in the beginning is a lot more GI symptoms, so nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, dehydration, weakness. And then um, other things are people think they have allergies, and then it ends up they say, it doesn't quite feel like my normal allergy, but I thought it was an allergy. And they decide to get tested, and they have things such as headaches, sinus pressure, runny nose, scratchy throats, and feeling very tired. So those could all be signs of COVID. And, you know, we saw those before, but um, we're not seeing so many with the big high fevers anymore. I saw a report in the last few days that a pharmacy in the Chicagoland area accidentally gave several patients the wrong vaccine for their second dose that didn't match the vaccine they, they gave them for their first dose. Uh, could that be a real problem for those patients, or is it nothing to really worry about? Well, um, according to Dr. Beeshold, who is our system medical director of infection control, he advised that there shouldn't be any serious risks for them. And um, the only thing is they need to kind of monitor those individuals and track them. I did also ask a follow-up question of him. Um, I said, well, will they have to get another uh, second dose of the vaccine that they originally had? And he said, no, they shouldn't have to get another second dose. Interesting. Can you give us an update on the hospital staff? And are, is it still around 71% vaccinated? Oh, we jumped a whole one percent. We're at 72% of the hospital staff are vaccinated. And we continue to work with people and try to educate them on how important it is to get vaccinated. I love seeing all the new commercials that are out of encouraging people to get vaccinated because there's still a big, big need before we can get out of the situation we're in to have many more people vaccinated. Well, I, I know a lot of the experts were saying that in order to get herd immunity, we may need to get 70 to 90 percent vaccinated. And I don't know, you know, that's a big wide range, 70 to 90 percent. But I did notice that a local school district, a large one, has claimed that over 90 percent of their uh, staff, both professional staff, support staff, had been vaccinated. And I, I just wonder uh, why in the medical field it seems like folks aren't getting vaccinated at the same rate as some in, in other fields. Do you have any thoughts on that? <laughs> you know, I wish I knew the answer to that. Um, you know, it's always individual reasons and the and the makeup of the staff, where they come from, who their what their belief systems are, uh, what their nationalities are, whether they're going to end up wanting to get vaccinated. I am really impressed if a large school system got 90% of their staff vaccinated. I think that's wonderful. I also have heard that some... Uh, some organizations have started mandating that their staff get vaccinated, um, which to me is interesting because right now this is still an investigative drug. It's, it's emergency use authorized only. And so to mandate a vaccination, even though I think it's really important and I wish everybody would get vaccinated, I still think it's, it's 
it's complicated to try to mandate that type of vaccine. Once it is fully approved by our um, FDA, then I would think many more organizations will move toward mandatory vaccinations. You know, I'm, I'm certainly a proponent of individual rights. Um, I do have one editorial comment, and that is I hear a lot of people saying, well, we don't know what the long-term side effects of the vaccination might be. And I guess my retort to that is, well, we know there are some adverse uh, side effects that could be long-term as a result of catching the disease, and we may not know what all of those are either. Um, but we know there are some, you know, from the disease. There are a lot of folks that have have had a lot of, you know, lung, heart, memory issues, as you know. So uh, I'm I'm with you. I hope more people uh, get vaccinated, and uh, we'll see what happens in the in the next few months. It, that will that will tell whether we get this thing under control, right? Absolutely, and and I think what I heard in terms of herd immunity was eighty percent of the population needed to get vaccinated, and that's a lot of people. And we're not anywhere near that, so it's going to be a while yet. Can you give us uh, an update on the number of doses of vaccine um, that the hospital's given? Absolutely. So in terms of the number of um, people receiving at least one dose of the vaccine, that's 43,389. And the number of people who have gotten fully vaccinated, that's 30,564. And the total number of our employees that are vaccinated is 6,283. Do you, are your supplies uh, still pretty strong like they were a couple weeks ago or are they dwindling again? So, no, our, our vaccine supplies are strong. We have enough to operate both of our mass vaccination clinics for the rest of this week. But we have seen a decrease in demand for the vaccine. So after we have finished the second dose um, for the patients who have already received a first dose, we'll only do first doses through the end of the week uh, for our, at our Seven Bridges location. Once we've completed that second dose, we will then be closing our Seven Bridges location and just have the vaccines at our Downers Grove site. We have enough um, ability to to give the vaccines at the Downers Grove site that we don't need to keep both of them open, and we'll keep giving the vaccines. And if there if we need to give more, we can expand the hours at the Downers Grove site. And is uh, is Johnson and Johnson available to you yet? Uh, we have not received any Johnson and Johnson yet. Okay, and as far as you know, is it in the area? I haven't heard. Okay. Um, it So it does appear that, as you mentioned, that demand is uh, is less than, than supply right now. What do you attribute that to? Do you think it's just people's schedules or really still a lot of people are ad- adverse to it and we need to do these ad campaigns? What do you think is going on? Well, to me, I have um, – a big concern that people got scared when the Johnson and Johnson was pulled off um, and being investigated again for safety. I think people who have been uh, skeptical and were waiting to see got more nervous. And so that, that I think is a piece of it. I think a piece of it is that we got the people who were most frightened, the most vulnerable, the elderly, and the people who are thinking that they are more safe and even if they got it, they wouldn't have um, adverse effects, are thinking they don't need to get it and that, and have, you know, are waiting to see what the results of people long-term effects are, as you talked about. I think 
The other thing is a lot of people wanted a one-time shot. They didn't, and we're waiting for Johnson & Johnson. And so now that it's coming back available, we'll see if they want to use it or not because they may now have questions about it. Well, my next question might might have the same answer, and that relates to reports I've seen that you know almost 10% of folks who've received first doses have skipped their second dose. Do you think it's for all those same reasons, or do you think it's just scheduling conflicts? I don't really think it's scheduling conflicts. I think they skipped their second dose because they didn't like whatever side effects they had on the first, and they were afraid what the second side effects would be for them. Um, I think part of it is there was initially we heard where when they didn't have enough vaccines, they were some areas, not here, but in some um, either other states or other countries were only giving one dose of the vaccine so they could give many more people the vaccine. And so I think some people may have heard that and thought, well, I got at least one. Uh, but really, in order for this to be effective, they need to get both doses of the vaccine. So I would highly encourage them to go get that second dose. I will say, I know we've all heard stories about some folks that have suffered symptoms after the vaccine, um, you know, the next day. And we all know people. That it, But everybody I've talked to has pretty much gotten over them within a day. I got my second dose last Friday. And I had virtually no adverse effects the next day. I didn't even feel tired or anything like that. So uh, go out and get that thing. And, you know, if you have to suffer for a day, so be it. And not everybody does. So I'm, I'm on the bandwagon with you there. Um, I noticed that a lot of uh, my friends have new grandchildren. That shows you my age. That, um, <laughs> that they're not allowed to... Uh, hold or be near for a while because their their children the the parents of the grandchildren are, are very covid adverse and afraid of having their their parents around their their newborn children do you have any words of wisdom for those folks is it safe for grandparents who are fully vaccinated to be around newborns so when you think of that question, it's two-way. Is it safe for the newborn? Is it safe for the uh, the grandparent to be around the newborn? Right. Per the American Academy of Pediatrics, if the children are well-appearing, the likelihood of the children actually having COVID and passing it to an adult is relatively low. If the adults are vaccinated against COVID, there is relatively no risk for, of those adults becoming severely ill with COVID, even if they were to be exposed to the COVID. And if they are vaccinated and they have had no symptoms, most likely they are not going to be able to pass it on to the children, and children uh, don't get COVID as easily as adults. If either the adults or the children have symptoms of illness, um, independent of vaccine status, they should still follow the guidelines of, of staying clear of each other, as we described during the pandemic. And it's important to remember that the vaccine takes time to work. So just because you got vaccinated, if you didn't wait the full two weeks, you are not fully vaccinated. So two weeks after your last dose of your second vaccine or after your only dose of the J&J &J vaccine, two weeks later is when you're really fully vaccinated. And remember, good hand hygiene is still important. And it's still important to not get into big, large gatherings together, especially indoors. But if you are fully vaccinated, you can be with your loved ones and with children without a mask. Great. So I haven't asked you in a long time about visitors' policies at the hospital. It's been five, six weeks. 
any changes recently or any changes on the horizon? So we did change it maybe about the time five or six weeks ago where we did start allowing um, for COVID patients to have one visitor during limited times and for non-COVID patients, they can have um, one visitor, but it can be anybody during the, any time they want to come visit. So it, do, it doesn't have to be the same person as their only visitor, which it used to be during the worst of COVID. And then on our family birthing, we did add that it can be um, a care partner and one other visitor. So they can have two people at any time. Is that, does it appear that that might change and loosen up anytime soon or just kind of in a holding pattern based on the fact that, that you know, numbers aren't down, so to speak? Yes, we're waiting for numbers to go down, and we're also waiting for guidance from IDPH and the CDC on changing the visiting. But we want to change the visiting back to what we were uh, comfortable with prior to having a pandemic, which was patient-directed visiting anytime, but we're just not there yet. And as soon as we can, we talk about it every week. We want to get there. The staff really miss the care partners, and the patients miss the care partners. Well, and that's a big part of what makes – Elmer's Hospital different from a lot of other hospitals is the plain tree model of care, which brings the whole family into it, right? Absolutely. And I think it's such an important part of who we are as a culture and, and why it's such a great place to get care. So I had uh, somebody I ran into in the last week who said that they had a loved one who uh, probably should have been taken from the house to the hospital by ambulance for some medical issue that non-COVID that they they were suffering from, but they decided to drive the person instead because they were afraid that if they went by ambulance, they'd be isolated in, in ER and they wouldn't be able to be in touch with their loved one and they'd be better off driving them themselves. Is there any truth to that or what? you have any words of advice? Well, I... <laughs> I think that, that this happens whether it's the COVID or not, where people try to make a choice of whether to use an ambulance or drive directly. I know sometimes it's because it's just faster. Sometimes it's to just put them in your car and drive them. Sometimes people make that decision because they want to go to a particular hospital and they're afraid the ambulance will go somewhere else. But in all of those those situations, you really have to think about what is the emergency situation with your loved one because god forbid that if you're on the way to a hospital and something happens in the car you do not have medical equipment in the car to take care of the patient and when an ambulance does so if they their heart were to stop if they had any really significant issues ambulances start care immediately so that your loved one gets care faster and so i would urge people to really think long and hard before you put somebody in a car when there it could be a matter of life and death while they're in the car with you and you would have no medical assistance with you. So one last thing I wanted to ask you about, and I saw that um, the hospital won some award or some accreditation <laughs> from, I believe it's IBM Watson. Can you tell us about that? Absolutely. And I'm, I'm really excited and very proud to tell you, the community and you about this award because um, 
I, for years and years and years, when we built this new hospital, I would tell the leadership, we are going to be known across the world. We're going to be the best in the country because we have everything we need to provide fantastic care to our community. And this building that was built by the money that the community donated that allowed us to build a beautiful, safe hospital, you know, is, is really something special. And so yesterday we found out um, that... Edward Elmhurst Health made the top 15 health systems for the third year in a row, which means they, they look at t over 2,500 different um, hospitals and, and 324 health systems, and they, they look at you know, quality, safety, patient experience, operational efficiencies, um, outcomes. They look at all that, and they and it's all publicly reported data, and it's IBM Watson, and they uh, determine who are the best health systems. So for three years in a row, we have made the part of the top 15, the top five mid-sized health systems. So the top five in, of all those, and then both Edward and Elmhurst for the past two years in a row have made the top 100 hospital list, which is against 2,000. 675 um, other hospitals for the same thing, for the quality, mortality, um, readmission rates, length of stay, throughput, uh, expenses, all of those things, patient ratings. And this year, not only did we make the top 100, Elmhurst Hospital was number one in the country for large hospitals for our outcomes. And I am so proud of that, to be number one, and Edward was number seven. So out of 2,675 hospitals, we were one and seven. Holy cow, that is awesome. You should be so proud. So should your entire administration, your staff, your trustees. Kudos to all of you. Great job. Thank you. I, it, we really were so excited. You know, this is only the second time and second year in a row that Elmhurst has made the top 100 list, and for the second year to be number one is just amazing. That's outstanding. Thanks so much for spending time with us today, and uh, we look forward to some lower numbers the next time we talk. You and me both. <laughs> Thank you, and have a great day. You too. Thanks, Pam. The E-Town Lowdown brought to you by the wonderful folks at the Elmhurst Armpit Orchestra featuring the biggest bass drum in the world at nine feet in diameter. Yes, you heard that right, nine feet in diameter. This has been a special presentation of the E-Town Lowdown.